Good morning, ladies. Happy Tuesday. I'm so glad to be with you all. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our lesson this morning on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, it is good to gather together this morning as dear sisters in Christ, as your beloved daughters. We're looking to your word now. Please reveal yourself to us. Help us to know you more, um, to see you in new ways this morning, and speak to each one by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to remind you, as you begin your week's homework, to keep on reading through the book of Ephesians, okay? So now you're starting on chapter 4, and you get to read chapter 4 this week and next week, okay? And let's begin with just a little bit of review this morning. We know that we are standing firm in the power. We know that we've got the belt of truth around our waist. I should have worn a belt this morning. (laughs) And it's as if, ladies, we're preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day. The core truth, right, is the truth of the gospel, that we are sinners saved by God's immeasurable grace. That's the truth that our life is built upon, okay? And then, We're now also wearing the breastplate of righteousness, and I picture it with a cross on the front. Okay? It's the most amazing exchange ever that Jesus, the sinless one, took our sin, right, and died our death and rose to life, and then he gives to us his righteousness and his resurrection life. And so we have that breastplate on, and we're sure of that. That's the position that we have. The penalty for our sin has been paid in full. And we're washed clean. When the Father looks at us, he sees the righteousness of the Son. Okay? Now, when you think of righteousness... I would define it as to be made right with. It's pleasing the one we seek to please. It's being approved by God. It's in right relationship with God. That's where we firmly stand because of what Jesus has done for us. So in response to God's grace... And all that he's done and all that we learn about in Ephesians 1 and 2, the great gospel story, in response to that, then we seek to live out that relationship. We live as God's dearly loved daughters. Aaron Nequist puts it this way, as we follow Christ, we become all that we were created to be for the sake of the world. It's this process of sanctification that the spirit that dwells within us is making us more and more like Christ. How miraculous is that? 
And we read 2 Corinthians 5.21, a scripture we looked at. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. We stand in this truth. And then as we know God as our Father, then we live out that relationship. And so we begin to reflect him more and more. We're his daughters. We're going to start looking like him more and more. There's going to be a family resemblance. So this morning, I just am really praying that you'll be encouraged, that you won't feel like I'm giving you a list of all these things that you shouldn't do and all these things that you should do, but that you'll be reminded of the amazing wonder of being restored to God, the gift of our salvation, the grace that abounds to us. So we're restored to God, we're united to Christ, and then we're enabled by the Spirit to walk in a completely new way of life. And so as we enjoy being God's dearly loved daughters, we begin to love others well. As God renews us and recreates us, then we can bring good and bring blessing into this world. So let's begin by looking at two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. First John 1, 5 says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He's holy and pure and loving and good. There is no evil in him. No evil comes from him. He is pure light. Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2 and 19. I love this. Isaiah lets us know, Arise, shine, for your light has come. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people, right? You picture this, right? The sin of this world, the sin that's in our hearts, right? It's darkness. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. The Lord will be your everlasting light. He is the God who comes bringing his light into this dark world. And then Jesus, the very Son of God who came, said this in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And Paul puts it to us this way in Ephesians 5, verse 8. That's a typo there. 5, verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And then Colossians 1, 13. Paul says, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. The word delivered here means to draw to oneself, to snatch out for oneself. God himself has snatched us out and brought us to himself and then transferred, moved from one place to another, moved us into the kingdom of his beloved son, the kingdom of his light, 
So we no longer live in the dominion of darkness. We live over here. We are united to Christ, and we live in his kingdom. We've changed addresses in a spiritual sense, right? We're still living in a world that's dark, right? This is a spiritual kingdom. And so I've given you quite a few things that I've found in the book of Ephesians, and you could add more to this list about what it's like to live in the kingdom of darkness and what it's like to live in the kingdom of light. In the kingdom of darkness, it's life without God, far from God, where there's no hope. And in the kingdom of life, light, it's life with God, united to Christ. In the kingdom of darkness, it's, it's like being the living dead. It's being dead in sin because of being separated from God. And in the kingdom of light, it's, it's just full of life, right? It's living in God's resurrection power. We are resurrection people as believers. In the kingdom of darkness, it's living under God's wrath. In the kingdom of light, it's being showered with grace. In the kingdom of darkness, it's living for yourself, thinking that the whole world should revolve around you, right? And in the kingdom of light, light, it's living to please God and seeking to love others. In the kingdom of darkness, it's having a darkened mind. It's like twisted thinking, believing lies, being deceived. And in the kingdom of light, it's having a renewed mind, right? That's being full, is full of the truths of who God is and what he's done and truths from his word. In the kingdom of darkness, it's having a hard heart. Rejecting God. In the kingdom of light, it's having a tender heart that's sensitive to his spirit within us. In the kingdom of darkness, it's being like in, sh- in shackles, enslaved to sin. No power to overcome sin. And in the kingdom of light, it's being empowered by the spirit to live in new ways, to live in God's ways. In the kingdom of darkness... It's being in a place where you don't experience God's love. And in the kingdom of light, it's knowing that you are dearly loved, that you're God's child. In the kingdom of darkness, it's being all alone. And in the kingdom of light, it's living in God's beautiful family, right? Living in Christian community. Oh, how we need one another, right? These are just a few pictures of what we see about these two kingdoms. George Bernard Shaw says this, this is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose, recognized by yourself as a mighty one, right? That's the kingdom of light, is having a life with purpose, right? Seeking to please God and seeking to be a blessing in this world, realizing that you, can ha- that you have impact. And then he goes on to say, 
It's choosing to be a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish, little clod of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. That's living here, right? Have you ever been there? <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think as we look at these two kingdoms, I think one of the worst part about being here is you realize that sin breaks your relationship with God. It's life without God that's not really living. It's, it's being the living dead. It's on the path that leads to death. And whereas here in the kingdom of light, it's living, loved by God and having the purpose of getting to to love others in this world. Clyde Snodgrass says this, in the, in the kingdom of light, all is done in union with Christ, the one to whom we are joined and who teaches and enables us. His spirit is the agent of renewal. We get to put on what Christ has already created. So the two kingdoms and then we see this call in the book of Ephesians that we are to live as children of light. It's living in that relationship as God's dearly loved children. And as we walk with Jesus and as we, have, we are allowing the spirit to transform us, then we're bringing righteousness. We're living, enjoying that relationship, and then we're becoming more and more like Jesus. So I've titled this, this point here, Live as Children of Light, but I want you to see that throughout the book of Ephesians, there are quite a few verses that say, tell us to walk, and that's a metaphor for living. We find in Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. And I think of Hezekiah's prayer in 2 Kings 20, verse 3, where he, he's, he's ill and he's asking the Lord to save his life, preserve his life just a little bit longer. And he, he says, I've walked before you in faithfulness. And God told Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. He commanded the Israelites to walk in his ways, to love and serve and obey him. So let's, ladies, as we're going about our life, think, and think about how we're walking. It's putting one foot in step of the other. It's where we're going, who we're spending time with, what we're do doing any time, night or day. Where are our feet going and what are we up to? And the wonderful, wonderful thing is in this kingdom of light, we get to walk with God. The very presence of God is within us, bringing us life all the time. We get to enjoy communion with him and being in his presence and as we do that, 
we are going to reflect him, his humility and gentleness and patience and love. In Ephesians 4, 3 through 6, Paul goes on to encourage the people to seek unity and peace by the Spirit. As we're going about our week in the upcoming days, would the Lord bring this to mind? Lord, am I walking worthy of the calling that you've given to me? And then we find we're also to walk in service Ephesians 2.10, a familiar verse probably, right? After Paul tells us how we've been saved by grace through faith, not by works, right? It's all God's gift of grace. We are God's work, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How amazing is this? He not only saves us, but he makes us new. He makes us new creations. It's like we're his, his works of art that he's put into this world so that we can bring good wherever he sends us. And he's got these things planned out for us, each one of us, unique things that by his grace that we can bring good into the world. How amazing is that? It's like I've got it all planned out. I've equipped you for it. You just get to walk in what I've planned for you. And then also, we see in chapter 4, verses 7 to 16, how we are given gifts and we are to serve the body of Christ with those gifts. We are to seek to build up the church and to grow up and to do our part. So by his grace, we are given gifts that are to be used not for our own glory, but for the good of others, for building up the, the church in love, and we are empowered by the Spirit to do so. We are to walk in service. And then we are to walk not in the old ways, but to walk in newness of life. Read with me from Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 17 to verse 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to every practice of every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are not to walk in the old ways. We are to throw off, put off the old patterns of sin and ways of thinking that old way of life, with all that twisted thinking, 
It corrupts you on the inside. That word, corrupt, it, it means wasting away, deteriorating on the inside. Do you see this picture of living in this kingdom of darkness? Put that off, those old ways. You are a resurrection person in Christ. It's interesting this imagery that Paul uses. It's like putting off old clothes, put off the old man. It's like putting off Adam, the sinful nature, and put on Christ. That's what putting on the armor is. It's putting on Christ. This is the way I picture it. Imagine Lazarus, right? Jesus calls him up out of the grave. He's, he's stinky and he's been wrapped up in the grave clothes, right? And he's like a mummy is how I picture it. And that's what it's like, trying to do life apart from God. Turn into the old patterns. Who would want to wear those clothes? Grave clothes, yuck. And then, I think, oh, we're united to Christ. We don't have to live that way anymore. Putting off sin and putting on Christ. It's like dying and rising again, being dead to sin, dead to self, and living in the resurrection life that the Spirit brings to us. This is the pattern by which we live, and we're going to be doing that, right? God is so gracious to us. He's got a lot of work to do in us, right, to make us look more like Jesus. And so it's, he'll work in one area of our heart at a time. He'll say, take that yucky grave clothes off in that area of your life, and I'm going to show you how to live in a new way, in my way. And we just keep on doing it, right? Until we get to be with him someday, and he'll be, the will be glorified, right? That sanctification work will be complete. Hallelujah. So putting off sin and putting on Christ is to be our pattern. Clyde Snodgrass says this, we cannot keep the, old, the, the uniform of the old being, or I would call it the grave clothes, in our closets and keep going back to it. Right? And we cannot... Keep the uniform of Christ or the armor of God in the closet either. We can't be switching them around. By the Spirit, ladies, we get to walk in the power of the resurrected Christ and the new life that he brings to us. And so all these lists that Paul gives to us in chapter 4 and chapter 5. Speak truth, don't sin in anger, don't steal, but work and be generous. Have gracious speech that always builds others up. Throw away bitterness and malice and anything that causes strife and doesn't keep peace. We've been empowered to do that, to leave those old ways behind. We don't want to wear those old worn-out clothes of sin, of selfishness and pride and meaningless lives that, we're, that are living apart from God, old thinking that leads to living in darkness and just consumed by our own selfish de desires. And in this place where we're, it's, you can never be satisfied, right? If we turn to sin, 
We'll just always be wanting more and more and more and more. So we throw those, all that old way of living, the old grave clothes away, and put on Christ. And then we walk in love, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We know who we are. We're receiving love from the Father, love that abounds, love, right, that can not be measured. We see in Ephesians 3 how high and wide and long and deep. We're receiving that love, and that love is going to be pouring out of us. We pour out our lives for others in following Jesus' example, right? He gave his life for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So our lives are to reflect that kind of sacrificial love. We speak truth in love. We're not ruled by anger. We're forgiving. And we are to walk as children of light. If you look at Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 10. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I always told my kids that I didn't think much good would be happening after midnight. Right? And so I, I do. I think of this because... We've been given this amazing gift of grace. We've been washed clean. Let's be ones who are daughters of light, who want to put on display everything that we're doing. We're not seeking to hide anything. We're seeking to bring God's light wherever we go. Let's be children of the day who shine with Christ's heart of love and light, who push back the darkness in every area of our lives. This is not in your notes, but there is another walk. It's a walk wisely that you can look at in Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, <clears throat> seeking to please the Lord. And, and then there's also another in Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, walk in the power of the Spirit. And do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So rather than being filled with wine... We're to be filled with the Spirit. Now, we know that as believers, we are indwelt by the Spirit. The Spirit convicts us of sin, comforts us when we're in trouble, pours God's love into our hearts. The Spirit guides us, empowers us to live in new ways as we follow Christ. It, the Spirit enables us to understand the Scriptures and reminds us 
of the scriptures that we learned. I find often just when we need them, right? So this command to be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit is within us, but let the Spirit lead you. Let the Spirit reign. Have a tender heart that's sensitive to the Spirit's promptings. Ask the Lord to empower you by his spirit. And isn't this beautiful? It's like this resurrection light and life are just flowing out of of someone who has a spirit-filled heart, right? It comes out as singing and thanksgiving and praise and then also submitting to others because we're submitting to the spirit, submitting to Christ. May we be walking in the power of the spirit And as we do this, ladies, may we be fulfilling the call that was given in Isaiah 49, 6. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the world. God is working in us, making us to be more like him for the sake of the world, that others would come to know Jesus. Let me wrap up with this wonderful little tool that I was given in my class at Wheaton. I think this can make this super practical. It's it's an example of, of really putting off the old self, renewing your mind, and putting on the new self that we find in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Now we know that ideally, as Christians, we want to resist temptation all the time. But sometimes we can spiral down, right, and get kind of stuck in a cycle of sin. And so I'm going to talk about that first, and then we're going to talk about the path of moving back up to living a new life. So this, this being enslaved to sin, you could call it a stronghold or an addiction. It begins when you justify the sin. Okay, maybe I'm going to complain And that's going to be my sin. Rather than praise and thanksgiving, I'm going to choose to complain, and then I'm going to justify it. Uh, You know, life stinks. I'm having a bad attitude. It's okay. But then what happens is you repeat the sin until it becomes a practice. And then you repeat the practice until it becomes a habit. And then you repeat the habit until you're no longer aware of your choice. Have you ever been around somebody that all that's coming out of their mouth is complaint and all you want to do is run away, (laughs) right? Okay, and I think maybe sometimes that's been me, okay? It's this picture, right, being trapped in darkness and it's self-destructive. Do you think complaining helps us any? And it definitely doesn't help the people around us, right? So you see how sin can spiral down and, and really enslave us. But then, there's this tool that we have here so that we can, by the Spirit, be empowered to throw off that pattern of sin and to walk in newness of life. It begins with confession, admitting it, saying to God, this is the truth. My complaining is an offense against you. My complaining does, puts yuckiness in my heart. My complaining does not bless the people around me. 
And then, just like Michelle was talking about this morning, identify what you're believing, the messages you're telling yourself, when, you go in, into, when you're wanting to be led into that sin. And identify the truth that you want to live in. God's people are to be overflowing with praise and gratitude because of who God is and what he's done and the grace that he's given to me, right? And identify any triggers, like, you know, just like an alcoholic would not go near a bar, right? Find out what the triggers are that might lead you on that path that you want to be set free from. So, and then you experience God's release and his forgiveness, And then you practice complete honesty, right? It's living in the light. Okay, Lord, show me any time that I'm starting to complain. It's coming out of my mouth. Catch me. And when I do it, and when I fall back to that sin, I, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I was complaining again. I'm going to say the truth about this again. And begin to practice maybe making a list of things that I'm grateful for, right? Proclaiming verses of praise. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. This is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, right? Okay? New practices. So then, when you catch yourself sinning, you'll identify it and confess more immediately, and then slowly but surely you're being set free and walking this in this new pattern where you're leaving complaining behind and walking in this life-giving, right? Having words that are praising God and blessing others. So ladies, let's be ones that know that we are standing firm in the Lord's power. We know that we have this breastplate of righteousness. We've been given the gift of Jesus' righteousness because of his sacrifice on our behalf. We stand firmly. That's who we are. That's our position. And then by the power of the Spirit, as we follow Jesus, we take off those old grave clothes. We renew our minds with the truth. And we put on Christ and bless the world. Amen.